welcome to this inspiring message by Paul Van Essen at Greater Life Church. For more information about us, do visit our website www.greaterlife.org.uk. Um, and I want to encourage you to uh, open your heart to the goodness of God. There's no judgment or condemnation in Jesus. I said there's no condemnation in Jesus. Uh, so many people, uh, I understand why, they, they look at Christianity or they look at sometimes church uh, services or sometimes online chats from Christians and sooner or later will come some condemnation, some slandering, some tearing apart of some, something they don't believe or don't agree with. Uh, folks, our message is that God, is val- that God values people beyond belief. And that he believes in everybody. He loves everybody uh, deeply. I know those sound like platitudes. I understand that. But I'm doing my best to get that across. Now, once once we meet Jesus, the whole thing with Jesus is he wants to walk with you. And so we're going to look at two simple passages in the Bible today. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't got your Bible, grab it. Um, if you've not uh, got a pad or pen, or sometimes some people will take notes on a laptop, But take notes because this stuff we're talking about here, sharing and teaching the word of God, is the most important stuff that you're going to hear and you're going to invest your life in. Uh, If you are a train driver, you better learn how to put the brakes on and where the corners are and all that stuff. If If you're an investment person, you work with people's finances, you know, like Jordan does kind of in the commercial side of of banking and investment, then uh, you need to know your numbers and you need to make smart decisions. Well, your spiritual life is more important than all those things. Your connection with God is the most important thing you've got. And so we want to give due diligence, if that's a fair term to use. We want to give application to understanding what the Word of God has to say to us. And writing things down, which I do every day, and I've done for a long time and will continue to do because it reinforces things to me. So let me share these two verses with you. We're going to start with John 15, 7. We're going to close with Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 to 23. So if you're opening your Bible, John 15, go to verse 7, and then later Proverbs chapter 4. And I'm going to read the NIV version out of this, and this is where we start. Listen to John 15, 7, just a stunning verse. If you remain in me, this is the NIV, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, then ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. Jesus is giving us a picture of what he wants for us, of what life could look like, should look like. If we remain in him, in the Greek the word is, is one, one verse, it's like tabernacle, it's like live with abide, remain, stay, stay connected. If we remain connected, not belief in the head, but connection in the heart. If we remain connected, if we abide in him, if we live and stay in him, and his word, which is what I'm sharing with you today, his word remains and stays in us, lives in us. Then ask whatever you desire, ask whatever you wish, and it'll be done. Crazy sounding promise. And, uh, you know, for some, it's kind of like, oh, yes, I want to get everything I wish. Well, 
the beauty is that as you abide in him, as you live in him, as your life and him go work together well, then he changes you and the things that you cry for out of your heart become the will of God for your life. It, it, it's a process. You're abiding in him. You're living in him. His words in you. And in that process, your heart is changing. Your life is changing. Your thoughts are changing. And you're starting to pray and cry out for things and wish for certain things. And God's in the very wonderful business of giving you whatever you desire when you live in that place. That, that's the place to live, folks. That is not some exclusive territory for the occasional, uh, you know, lucky believer. That belongs to all of us to live in him, to uh, and ask and receive. So I want to conclude this simple little teaching really on how God wants to guide you lead you and bring you to this place of fellowship so when when Jesus says that you know remain in me abide in me and my words abide in you it's it's the same thought as the end of 2 Corinthians the fellowship of the holy spirit the word is koinonia it means partaking of him it means intimacy intimacy excuse me and partnership maybe you know that Yongi Cho wrote a book called my senior partner and one of the great revelations of his life which started in 1963 uh, as he was looking to God to see his church expand and increase and he had a great uh, experience encounter with God and out of that came the revelation that he's the senior partner and we're the junior partner in a relationship walking together every day I find that a very helpful thought it'll help you to think that way you've got a senior partner and like Cho used to say you know it wouldn't matter what business you're in what your family situation what board what company what whatever if people knew you could have a senior partner like this, he never gets anything wrong. He never quits on us. He's always there to learn his ways. Oh my goodness. That's what we want to touch on this morning. And I'm giving you really four very simple and practical things. Touching on the first thing. And I'm, I'm, I'm rehashing a little, but I want you to hear this fresh today. Okay, the first thing is you've got to be a receiver, my Christian friend. You've got to be a receiver. You've got to be much better at receiving before you start focusing on giving. God is the great giver. God has an abundance of everything you need. We, on the other hand, have shortcomings in numerous areas. You know what yours are, and I'm reasonably aware of what mine are. What God wants to do is pour into his goodness, into your situation of need, which isn't just, let's say, uh, for argument's sake, money. Let me just retilt that a tiny bit. Whoa. Uh, which isn't money necessarily, though it can be. But it's, it's you know, what God wants <clears throat> uh, to do is to provide everything that you need. Everything that you need. And it comes out of this relationship with him. And so he, he, if we don't become good receivers, 
then we live on a very limited resource. A lot of people are like that. A lot of Christian people, and sometimes the most sincere of them, that they want to live, or they've been, I guess, maybe presented with the idea that their life could be this V8, V12, you know, Aston Martin, beautiful drive, and they're putting around on a, you know, three-cylinder little, you know, 500cc whatever, um, why is that? Because they haven't received a lot of power. They haven't received the increase. And what happens for a lot of Christians is that small engines, small thinking, uh, small expectation, sincere, a born again, love God, not putting people down, trying to help you get into John fifteen seven. Abide in him, he abides in you, his word abides in you, and you ask whatever you wish. Most of the people that are putting around in very small car, eng, cars with very small engines are not getting everything they wish. They don't even dare wish it because it just seems too big, but we'll just happily putt along. And I want to say to you today that God has more for you than that. And, and would you please learn to disregard the over-religious sentiment that, you know, we're supposed to be small and we're supposed to be insignificant and we're supposed to live, you know, average lives. And uh, I, know, I know there are excesses with, with the, uh, some of the prosperity doctrine. Some of, some of the things I've heard in, I find embarrassing. I can't believe uh, that, that Christian people would really think that. I know that. But, that, but you've still got to come back to the Scripture. And you still got to realize God wants to give you the desires of your heart. When I'm talking about a car, I'm not talking about the physical car you drive, by the way. I'm talking about the quality of your life, the strength of your life. Be a receiver. Receive his healing. Receive his love. Make a choice in your heart. I'm going to receive. Come and get it. It's like the dinner bells ringing in heaven. Come and get it. Come and get it. And we say, oh, well, God, if it's only, I only want it if it's your will. Well, you can have whatsoever you desire if you'll just abide in me. Oh, well, I'm not sure if that's just too much. I could be being selfish. And, and we have these, we're, like we're more, we're more Christian than God. God is a giver. And here's the secret John shares with us in 1 John. You give only according to what you receive. He so loved us. And then we can love others. That's the secret. We love others because he loved us. Agape love. If it's, it's his love, his spirit, his supply pouring into your life that then can pour into others. And if we have a small supply coming in, you can't give very much. And so we have a lot of Christians, maybe you today, that want to try and give that feel like they're trying to give but if they're honest then don't they know not a lot is flowing out and they focus on trying to give better trying to do better and of course we're here to give but we give what we receive from him so the first thing in being well led by the spirit of god and coming into a john fifteen seven life is that you've got to be willing and decisive about being a receiver that's what faith is faith is all about receiving 
If you have a problem with receiving abundance from God, then I want to challenge you to rethink and just have a look at John 10.10, which says, Jesus says, I came to give you life in abundance. Now, you can either sit there and say, well, you know, maybe whatever, you know, find some other interpretation of what Jesus fairly clearly meant. Or you can say, wow, an abundant life. How abundant is mine on a scale of one to ten? Could it be more abundant? How would I make get it to be more abundant? I'd flip over into receiving from God. You can't over-receive from God. You can't receive so much that he's got a problem with it. That's not selfish. That's what he provided. That's why Jesus died, to provide everything for you. It's only selfish when you receive a lot and then spend it all on yourself. But what most Christians do is receive not very much and get frustrated because very little is going out. Point one, be a receiver. Point two, all right, build confidence. I mentioned this last week, but I'm going to say it again. You are incredibly valuable to God. I started this little trailer. You know, the little trailer says, um, there's nothing like people quoting God. And it's true. I know the Bible doesn't say it exactly like that. But that is what Jesus coming as a person on behalf of all people and dying in their place signifies. That's the message. There is nothing more valuable than people. There is nothing more wonderful than people. There's nothing more important than people. And that's not just Christian people, my friend. It doesn't matter whether they're Muslim. It doesn't matter whether they're reprobate. It doesn't matter whether they steal. It doesn't matter whether they lie. It doesn't matter whether they're nasty and hate-filled. They're beautiful. They're loved by God. They make some poor choices. They live lives, I know. All of us have areas. But then some people have dedicated themselves, apparently, to living nasty and cruel lives. I'm not condoning that. I'm just saying that hating people or disdaining people or, discon you know, uh, uh, rejecting people or condemning people has no place in the heart of Jesus. You see, the worst, ugliest, meanest, cruelest person that you could think of if they encountered Jesus would find a depth of love and forgiveness that would be indescribable. And the change in that life if they let Jesus in, would be phenomenal. And the testimony that would become possible in that life would be unlike pretty much any other because they have come from complete darkness to complete light. Now, I know, and you know, that not everybody that lives those kind of lives is going to respond to Jesus but some are. And we put ourselves in a anti-Christian place, can I put it that way? In an ungodly perspective and approach to life, if we write off anybody that God has potential for, don't condemn people. It's the love of God. Be a lover of people. Be a receiver of his love for you. And learn to be confident. Most people, I'll tell you this, 
why, why I labor this point a little bit. Because most, if you ask the average person how they see Christians, are they generally very kind, loving, forgiving, fantastic people, or can they be a bit judgmental? In my experience, and yours might be different, but I would think there's a pretty high percentage of people that would see Christians as rather more judgmental than a lot of other people that aren't connected with Jesus. I've heard this phrase plenty of times. It isn't always true, but it's sometimes true. When people go through difficulty or failure, some of them have said, some Christians that I know have said, it seems to me that people in the world treat me with greater grace and kindness than people in the church. Maybe you've experienced some of that. But why is that? That is simply because we haven't realized how valuable we are. And because we don't feel great about our own value, we tend to pass that on to how we feel about other people. We're often too harsh and unforgiving on ourselves. Jesus died to forgive you of every mistake you've made, past, present and future, to give you a new life. So it makes no sense whatsoever to be dwelling in your mind on the things that you do wrong, which he's taken away. Why not learn what he taught us, which is what you focus on is what you become, and focus on everything he said you are. That builds confidence. Confidence is key to hearing from God clearly, to John 15, 7 lifestyle. You're going to walk with him. His word living in you, you living in him. That, that is not an unconfident person. Today, if you're listening to me, and I know many Christians will be like this, they struggle with genuine confidence because some religious nutter somewhere back there told them that confidence was pride and arrogance and God doesn't like pride. When you resist what God tells you, that's pride. That's something God doesn't like much. And sometimes what looks very spiritual and religious is actually pride. If God said, you are worth everything to me, I'm going to lay down the life of my own son because you're so valuable. It would be pride and arrogance to reject that thought and to think lowly of oneself. Anyway, I want you to get that. See, deep inward confidence. You're valuable to God. It's such an important thing. And, you, and it's something that you build over time. You know, I, I'm, I'm expecting and trusting that this message will, will impart that kind of thing to you. But you need to keep hearing it and keep building it. Jesus said it this way, be careful what you hear. Because what you hear is seeds. Plant the seeds of life inside you. Hear the words from those people that are preaching like I am today and teaching. That, that are building in you the kind of life that you desire in God. Point three is, and I mentioned this as well, so I just want to mention it in passing, is to keep in a yielded place before God. But I put confidence first because yielded means whatever you want to do, God, I'll do that. But when we have yieldedness but not confidence, we get skewed in hearing from God. Can I say that again? 
when you have yieldedness, oh God, I'll do whatever you want, but you don't have faith-filled confidence. God is with me. God's on my side. God wants to bless me. I'm a receiver. When you have one but not the other, then you end up in a, in a skewered kind of a life. You've got to build them both. Because on the other side of the coin, if you have this confidence, God's with me, God's... But you're not yielded. You're not coming to God saying, hey, you know, at the end of the day, you've made me someone special. You called me to be someone special. But it's all for you. And it's all of you and through you and to you. If you don't have that combo, then you end up getting skewed one way or the other. Most Christians in today's world that I deal with in here in the UK and in the West skew too much towards the yielded side and lack the God-given faith and confidence. So that's why I address that in the way that I do. But I know there's a problem the other way as well, of course, and I see that too. The final point I want to make to you is, is and I've mentioned it, is just experiencing God making time to be with God. You just learn about God over time. You're walking with somebody. You met him, and when you met him, you were a baby Christian. You fed and nourished on the word, the kind of things that I'm teaching you, and your life grew, and you became a child, and then you mature, and the goal of God for all of us is that we all mature, but we're all somewhere along that journey. And maturity doesn't finish at adulthood in that sense. I mean, I'm still maturing. I'm still every day looking at growing, looking at every day. And, uh, but I've done this for a while and I've walked with God for a while. And so I know some things about him just because we've walked together over time. And you can't replicate that in three months, six months or 12 months. That's why... Paul, one of the reasons when Paul writes to the Corinthians, he says, you might have a lot of instructors, but you don't have many fathers. To find father or a mother in the faith, which is something that's very valuable to carry on and something we uh, look to be, is to find somebody that not just knows some scriptures and has a preaching gift or a leadership gift, but actually somebody who's walked with God over time and has matured with God. And you can't replace that in any short amount of time. So we are coming to an age, Bob Jones prophesied it maybe 15 or 20 years ago, but I still remember it. There is a wonderful move of God amongst some young people and young people coming to Christ and I'm all for it and it's on. God is moving. But there is also this season where those that are mature, I think he called it the over 50s, um, but people that are mature in Christ and of course, you can be over 50 and have been a Christian for 30 years and not be very mature, by the way. Have you found that? Just because you've been in the way, <laughs> like somebody once said, you know, I've been in the way for 45 years. And somebody said, well, it's about time you got out of the way, isn't it? And let us get on with the job. No. So in other words, you having been a Christian for a long, long time isn't necessarily an indicator of you being mature. It's putting in place things like hunger, being a receiver, building your confidence, maintaining your yieldedness. It's those things that you practice over years that bring you into a father or motherhood stage in Christ. And that's what we want to develop in your life.
So experience. And I want to say this, and, and, and I talk about it a lot, but if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit and received and acted on that gift of praying in your spiritual language or other languages or other tongues, as some people call it, that is probably the most direct line into getting to know God better because it's your spirit praying. And the thing that has helped me perhaps more than anything, if I were to put a handful of things together, one of them would be learning, watching and learning from people who are further ahead than me and genuinely maintaining a heart to want to learn. Um, another would be to learn to forgive myself when I fall short. That's a big one. But another thing would be to be really devoted to praying in the spirit, to praying in tongues. And when I say that, I don't just mean ba 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 ba. That's you know we kind of start there. You with me? It's all right. But it's a language. You're expressing certain things. You're praying about certain things. Shatelei akaren brastebeliardiakana. I'm not going to interpret that for you. I'm just giving you an example. But it's a language. Take some time to speak to the Lord. It stirs your spirit. Paul the Apostle said it this way. I thank God that I speak in other languages, in my, in, that I pray in the Spirit more than all of you. Writing to the Corinthian church. Can you imagine how much, I mean, this guy would have set the record. And we would have looked at him and said, does this guy ever not pray in tongues? That's what we would have said, because he thanked God for that. Revelation, breakthrough and experience with God is greatly enhanced by utilizing that gift with focus and passion in your heart. I'm closing as I promised on uh, Proverbs chapter 4, and it is time for us to close, because in about five minutes i'm going to play a little trailer no i'm closing in a couple of minutes but we will join you for a cafe and we'll hang out together for about 15 minutes caroline will send that link but i want to close with this beautiful passage which is a really uh, one of the life-saving passages i guess of my life one of the most important ones that i've read over the years meditated on it's in proverbs chapter 4 proverbs is the book of wisdom if you need to grow in wisdom Read Proverbs every day and ask the Holy Spirit who wrote it to teach you, and he will. But listen to this. My son, verse 20 through to 23. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Don't just say, oh, yeah, we heard Van Essen preach. It was all right. No. Turn your ear to the words of God, which will be you reading, but also coming through ministers that are given to train and teach you. Don't let them out of your sight. What? My words. Keep them in the midst of your heart because they are life to those who find them and health to their whole body. Health flows when you love and hear and keep in your heart the word of God. And above all else, guard your heart for from it, this version says, everything you do flows from it. Another version says, from it flow the issues of life or the forces of life. I think it's the Moffat version that says, guard, guard above all things. Guard your inner person, for so you live and prosper. Everything of value in your life 
flows out of your spirit, your inward person. Guard it. Keep it clean. Keep it devoted. Learn to forgive yourself when you make a mistake. Learn to adjust when you think, hmm, I wasn't walking in love in the way I could. Make the adjustment. Don't let division get in your heart. You know, so powerful. Such a... I have a dear couple of people that I know in, a, in another country uh, involved in a church and we've been friends and we've worked together and they've just got to be in their bonnet about some relatively small issue. But it's become division. So now they have nothing nice to say about the leader of the church and the whole, they, they, they're just going to find themselves out in the lonesome somewhere. It happens to many people. It's sad when it happens. But guard your heart. Don't ever let yourself start criticizing people and particularly God's people and particularly God's leaders. Pray for them. No, they're not perfect. But if God puts someone in place, honor them. And you're honoring God by doing that. Guard your heart. Guard your heart from unbelief just won't be persuaded just can't that's what unbelief is no keep yourself believing keep yourself full of hope keep yourself positive guard your heart that's where life flows out